0: You are listening to Fearlessly Moving Forward, where we explore, understand, share, and navigate the difficult emotions associated with grief, sorrow, and loss. I am your host, Susie Ruth. Let's get started. You have disappeared. You have been released. You are a of light. You are missed. Somewhere, spinning round the sun, circling the moon. Hello and welcome to episode number five. Today I'll be speaking with Becky Lickus. She's a music teacher, a coach, a colleague, and a friend. Becky's going to share with us her experience in losing her mom. Hi, Becky. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for joining me
1: today. Absolutely. I'm ecstatic.
0: Well. I would like you, if you would tell me a little bit about your grief and what you would like to share with me today.
1: My grief started probably um, seven and a half years ago when my mother passed away. I think as grief goes, we kind of compound grief as it kind of stacks and layers on top of, of things. But I think that was probably the most poignant the most difficult for me to accept was when my mother passed away.
0: Tell me a little bit about
1: your mom. Well, she was amazing. She, I was just telling my husband this the other day, how amazing she really, really was like the things that she did. And it's only, it's taken me quite a while to get to that point because I was really mad for a long time. But my mother was a school teacher. She was a music teacher. She played at, I think, every church <laughs> around us to make money she taught piano lessons she played organ she was a singer and she got sick and uh with a uh, rheumatoid arthritis it just it really stole her livelihood she wasn't able like the medicine that they could give her to help combat the disease made her sicker um in in She couldn't be around people that um, didn't have all of their vaccines and all of their all that stuff because she would she had her immunities were greatly reduced. So when we would go visit her, I'm I'm a school teacher. And when I would go and visit, we'd have to really make sure that we stayed kind of away from her so she wouldn't get sick. And so, you know, honestly, I think the grief started even before, to be honest with you, because um, there were so many things that her life kind of deteriorated in a way that um, she wasn't mom anymore. And as the disease progressed, and she was more and more often in the hospital with pneumonia, she was like the 1% that got fungal infections or something in her in her lungs. Um, And it was a time when we were really learning about rheumatoid arthritis, and that um, how it affects your insides. And I was frustrated, I was a you know, I had a, a teenage daughter at the time. I was um, really into my musical career, teaching, and I wanted her to be there for me. I wanted her to play. She was my accompanist because it was oh, it's so great to have a parent or a, a sibling or 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 a daughter, whatever, accompany you when you're when you're directing a choir because they feel it the same way. It's amazing. So there was a lot of things I was disappointed. That she couldn't come to my concerts, and she couldn't come when I was acting on stage, and she couldn't always be there for the things we had to come to her. So I really think that that started, and she was always in pain. I couldn't go to the store with my mom. Like we, every once in a while, we would go and we would go shopping and and you know kind of share that mother daughter bond. And I just kind of felt gypped, you know, that she wasn't able, you know, to do that with me. She died at the age of sixty three. She was a paramount as far as musical knowledge, and definitely my guru of who I would ask. And I distinctly remember the day she passed away. I remember coming home to the house and dad was here and my grandparents were here and my brother. Um, And I remember giving my brother a hug and crying and saying, who am I going to ask musical questions too. She was my, you know, she was my musical genius. And my brother looked at me and said, guess what sis? Now it's your turn to be the musical genius. And I wasn't prepared as wonderful as that was. I wasn't prepared for the amount or maybe the magnitude of what that actually meant. I had to step into a different role and My brother's older than me, but I was definitely the one that had to pick up the pieces. Yeah.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Were you there when your mom died?
1: No. I, the weekend, she passed away on a Sunday. I was actually camping with a friend at the time. And I had left my phone in the cabin. And I remember going to see mom the day before I left. And my daughter at the time was home from college. It was the summer. And so I had gone to visit her quick before I, and she was in bed that whole week. Like she was just getting weaker and weaker, but I thought it was a medication kind of thing. And then my daughter went to visit and they did, her and my dad did some like moving around of things, which was interesting because it was necessary after the fact, but they didn't know it at the time. And so I was vacating, you know, 20 minutes away and I left my phone in the cabin. I went to go take a shower and then I was sitting outside and I thought, I'm just going to be carefree. I'm going to leave the phone. And I got back into the cabin and there was probably 20 messages or 20 missed phone calls. And, and as soon as I picked up my phone, my daughter was calling. And I'm like, what, I'm like, what is going on? And I barely had time to listen to a message from my dad that said something along the lines of, um, Becky, you need to call me right away. Um, I don't think mom's gonna make it. And I'm like, what? And my daughter was calling and I remember getting on the phone with her and she said, Mom, Nana, Nana's gone. And I said, and I was mad instantly because I could didn't know what else to be. And I said, What do you mean she's gone? I distinctly remember that. And I just kind of sat down and here I am. And I feel guilty to this day because here I am, my daughter's like 20 years old and I'm, she's having to relay this message to me. And so it kind of worked out in a way that the, the nurse that took care of mom um, at the hospital was also the mother of one of my daughter's closest friends. So they called this close friend who went to pick up Sammy and let her know, that was my daughter, and let her know what was going on. And then they brought her out to the campsite so that I could, we could come back home. She, Because I knew I wasn't going to be able to drive by myself. So she came and got me. And I just remember this, you know, when they say that there's this surreal thing that happens, like you don't really, that's so true. I can't even like, I just remember, you know, how things can change in an instant. And I just remember kind of sitting down defeated and absolutely having no idea what I'm supposed to do. Just like I I just was in such shock. And then the trembling started. And just, yeah, I, I can't even explain the shock. Just you kind of numb. and And I remember the person I was with at the time said, you need to go here's the bag. What do you need me to put in? Like literally here's the next item. Here's the next item. Cause I I couldn't even focus. And then gave me the bag. My daughter met me at the car. They, they got it. She called me and said, I'm out here. I went to the car and I just remember shaking the entire time and getting in the car and saying, all right, I have to focus now. So let's go. And then it was kind of like, what am I going to find when I get back to the house? who's going to be there. I mean, then all the then, then it then my mind wouldn't stop.
0: Mm-hmm. How long did that numbness last?
1: I, gosh, I don't know. I think until I had a purpose, although it was always kind of there because I really feel like it's a protection. Because if you really, truly felt the depth of the emotion, it would crush you. And so I think that was kind of a protective, I think it's our way that our body kind of protects us. Um, I remember feeling so exhausted because the emotions are just so intense. And I remember having to tell people over and over and over and having to experience their shock. Um, funny, funny enough though, that actually made it a little easier, I think being able to do, and then having, you know um, my brother there, him and his wife were there and saying, Becky, go home. We'll take care of dad tonight. And having that be such a relief because all I wanted to do was get out. And I remember going back into the bedroom where m- mom and dad's bedroom by myself and just thinking, um, how could you leave me? <laughs> you know, like, I just felt like I was so, and then my dad saying, but she's not in any pain, but watching my father cry and go through that was probably harder than losing mom. You know, I'm like, how could you leave us? You know, that, that kind of thing, those thoughts go through your head. And then having wonderful friends that just came over and took over and said, I'm going to bring you meals. We're going to take care of this. You don't need to worry about it. And how grateful I was, I think, for that. But I remember having an excruciating headache and then not being able to sleep, being so tired, but not being able to sleep.
0: Yeah. What uh, what do you think was the most helpful
1: I think I relied a lot on my faith. Um, I grew up in a Christian family and we went to church every week and my mother was a church musician. And so I kind of have continued that myself. And I remember my dad, who was always the spiritual leader in our family, saying to me, she's not in any pain anymore. And I know that sounds cheesy. And sometimes you want to hear that. And sometimes you're just like, "Eh." it made me feel better. And I, I remember thinking, I'm not afraid to die. And that was the first time in my life I had ever felt that way because I was, I really was truly, I'm like, I have too many things I want to do. To, but at that moment, I had such peace about it, knowing that I would see her again. And that kind of peace that goes beyond all understanding was there. And I think that was really powerful for me to be able to know that um, it was Okay. But do you know that I had dreams for probably a year to a year and a half after she passed? And this is going to sound terrible. Like, I remember having these dreams where she came to me in the dream and she was criticizing me about one thing or another. I I don't remember. And I was so pissed because I remember in my dream thinking, we buried you you don't get to just come back and forth. That's not fair. And I just kind of remember that. And her presence was definitely in the home for a very long time. And then my, my daughter and I ended up moving into the house and my father moved to a different location, but. um, I I think she was there to kind of keep us, whether you believe in it or not, I don't care. It gave me peace to know she was here. And then finally, probably a good two years after she was able to. I was able to release my hold on her enough to be able to let her go. And, and the house kind of opened up to me after that, before I just was so angry that I had to deal with everything myself. That really wasn't true. That's just what it felt like.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You took that responsibility. What advice do you have for someone who hasn't lost a parent yet?
1: I think validating each other for one, letting them know that you love them. And I think knowing that death is just a part of life. It's just a transition and it doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be awful. And I think when it's time, the Lord really will put people in place that will help you. I don't think you don't ever have to feel alone because somebody will always, I just always feel like somebody will be there to kind of help. And, um, I think you have to be compassionate with yourself and understand that your body will continue to grieve even if you don't want it to, and that you have to be aware. I remember being extreme. I got sick two or three times um, that first year after my mom died and I tried to outrun the grief. I, I threw myself into work because I didn't want to think about me. because if I had to think about it at all, it's it wasn't going to go well. And you read in books like, oh, she just thought she wasn't going to stop crying and blah, blah, blah. It's true. I, I still think of it like a puddle. And my dad would say, you're not grieving. And I said, dad, I am. It's just, there's this puddle, this deep, hurtful painful puddle that I can only dip my toe in because if I dip any further I'm going to be consumed and it's scary it's Mm. so that darkness is so scary but I think if you any kind of a, a a death or a a severing in in any kind of a way it's different for everything I've lost a grandparents and and friends and it's different. And I still, you know, I still tear up. I, that's the other thing to be prepared for. um, Sometimes the the tears will just come for absolutely no reason. Yeah. It just, they just do. And it's almost like your body is saying it's okay to let a little more grief go. And I know that through the music for me, the music was really what allowed it to um, to kind of leave the body. Maybe I don't know if, if that's really the way to say it or not. I just remember it took a long time before I thought, Oh, this kid said something really funny. I can't wait to go home and tell mom, you know, those yeah. little things that, that starts to go away and it doesn't hurt as much as time goes on, it's still there, but it, it it's, it's not that punch in the gut or that fear, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think just being compassionate with yourself and that your journey through grief is not going to be like anyone else's. Yeah. It's everybody is different and it's okay. Cause I know I wanted to hurry it up, hurry it up. I want to be done with this. And it doesn't, it does you know, it'll, It'll be there when it needs to be and it'll leave when it needs to. And that's okay. Mm-hmm.
0: About how long would you say the intensity of the grief lasted?
1: Oh, I don't know that. I honestly can't say. Um, I think it was really, I think your, uh, the intensity was really, really um, within that first year. But I would say even within the first like six months probably, and then, um, it kind of ebbed a little bit. But then I think every new experience after that major holidays, um, I got a new job, you know, things like that kind of bring it back to you, and then it's just kind of slowly drains away. I I don't know if you can really put a time limit. On. I just I don't know. It's like it's kind of like when you go through a divorce and you're so angry at first. And then one day you wake up, I don't know how long it is, but one day you wake up and you just don't, you're not as angry. And I think that's what happened with me. The ache wasn't nearly as intense. It wasn't the first thing I thought of every morning. And it wasn't the last thing I thought about every night before I went to bed.
0: Earlier when you were talking, you said you were angry. You were so mad. Why were you mad?
1: Well, how could she leave me? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I needed you, mom. I need you. How can you leave me? And what I didn't realize at the time was that she was a stepping, that it was a way for her to step away and get out from under the influence. Maybe, you know, like you always defer to, to a parent. And I think it was almost um, an opportunity then for me to grow into another being. And, and it was after that, here's a funny one. Um, I remember she was that week, that last week, and I was dating a gentleman named Steve. And she said, I think Steve is your angel. And I thought, what are you talking about? This guy is a dork. Like, I am never going to be with this person. And it was probably a year and a half after she passed. I met another man named Steve, who is my absolute rock and, and my husband now. And, you know, I thought she was right. She didn't know it at the time, but she was right. He was, he was my angel. So, and I remember too, that night that she passed away, I lived right behind the funeral home where, where she was. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard like a little on the piano downstairs. And I don't know if it was a mind thing or whatever, but it was almost like she was saying, it's okay. I'm okay. Because if she had ever come to me in my dreams, I would have freaked out i would not like that would not have gone well, but, um, I really feel like when energy is moving and, in in there's, there's, I don't care what it is. If it's, if it's within my own brain or what, but that gave me peace. It still took me a month. I think before I could sit down and play at the piano, it was yeah. just too much. It was too much. And I cried and I cried and I cried. Yeah. But there are moments when I feel her right next to me. Like I was trying to learn how to play the organ and I could feel her right there. And there's other time, and I can't even express to you what it is. Like when my daughter got married, I knew she was there. There's just, you know, other things or that she was kind of tapping me on the shoulder saying, I knew you could do it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Okay. So what would you recommend someone say to another person who's grieving? like you were?
1: We always want to ease their pain when someone's grieving, I think. And for me, it wasn't really about what was said. It was more about them coming and helping when I needed it. Um, I think the biggest thing for me <laughs> at mom's um, wake the night before, when we had the visitation, there was all these people, like a ton of people were there. And she had been really closed off from society for probably five years. And I, I said to my dad, people like us, people like what people like us, dad. And he laughed and he said, well, yeah, they knew your mom. She was a teacher. I, I think them sharing their stories with me and about how she helped them or how she was able to further their career in music or give them the confidence to do something more. Or, you know, that probably was the very best. Just being able to share those um, beautiful stories. I think that really, cause it made me just grateful that I got to have her as my mom. So yeah, I think that's probably the best. I love
0: that. Well, be- Becky, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate this. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up?
1: I got nothing. I know it's hard to believe, but no, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's anytime.
0: I think you're be, going to be able to help people understand a little bit what either they can identify with what you went through, or maybe just have a little bit of a heads up for what's to come.
1: I also want to add one more thing. I think people are afraid to tell or to feel those, the so-called negative emotions because you're not supposed to talk bad about them. You're not supposed to, but I think that's just part of it. I think you go through all of the emotions and that that's totally normal and it affects everybody in the family differently, which is sometimes hard to handle, but just understanding that everyone is different and to have that compassion for yourself.
0: Great. Thank you, Becky.
1: Thank you, Susie.
0: So that's what I have for you today. If you need any help, if you or someone you know is struggling, please reach out to me. You can find me at Suzy Ruth Chicago on Instagram, or Suzy Ruth on Facebook. And please subscribe so you can help me build this podcast show. You and thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next I week. disappeared. You have been released. You are flexolite, of light, you are missed. Somewhere spinning round the sun, circling the moon, traveling through time, you are missed.